my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my brother, Aaron Bandler. Uh, it's always a great time talking to Aaron. You, you know Aaron. You love him. I know you do. Uh, we, we covered a lot. We covered a ton of ground. Uh, as always, we, we started off the show with a little football talk. Uh, definitely uh, uh, necessary since the Pittsburgh Steelers are 9-0. First time in franchise history. Great stuff there. Um, but yeah, we, we covered a lot. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, before we get to Aaron... Uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Podcast. All right, without further ado, my chat with the great Aaron Bandler. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Aaron Bandler. Aaron, how are you doing? I am doing pretty great, all things considered. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic, and I'll tell you why. We'll start off the show with this. Uh, you know, you and I went head-to-head in our fantasy football league this week. Battle for first place yeah. in our division, and your team decided to do absolutely nothing. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and also Drew Brees, my starting quarterback, he got hurt midway through the game yesterday, Oof. so that also didn't help. <laughs> it, it did not help. It what. I, I know Breeze has a rib injury. Is it is he going to be out like multiple games, or is it just like a? Uh, I I have no idea. I am sort of banking it on. I mean, he, in all that he probably will be. So, going to have to pick up a, a QB off the waiver wire. Um, you know, I, the good news is that like quarterbacks are pretty. It, it's it's relatively easy to, to stream quarterbacks, especially in a ten, in a ten team league like ours. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, this year, like, unless you have, like, Patrick Mahomes or, like, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, like, somebody that runs a lot, yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Like, there's no difference, like, fantasy-wise this year yeah. between, like, like quarterback four and 20, <laughs> you know? Like, they're all yeah, just kind no of the kidding. same. But, I mean, look, can we talk about the Steelers being 9-0 and just for a second before we get to the meat and potatoes of the podcast? Yeah, I, I mean, 9-0, I mean, and Steelers man. For, kinda... First time in franchise history. And franchise history goes back 100 years, so... I mean, holy crap. Yeah, I'm at, at, and six Super Bowl rings, so that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, the Steelers kind of remind me of the Niners last year, just with just like the way that defense is, the, the defense is just incredible. Um, and it's like, and now that the Steelers have Big Ben back, it's it's you know it's it, they're they're tough to beat. I think they, I, I think I think it's I think AFC Championship game is going to be Steelers Chiefs, and it's going to be very fun to watch. Yeah, I think so too, man. I think so too. I'm really hoping the Steelers. Uh get the uh the first round bye too because they had to take their bye week like week what three or four because of the what what was it yeah all, the entire titans team got the rona yeah <laughs> and uh so i'm like yeah i think it'd be good for like a 38 year old uh big ben to have a week off <laughs> here in a couple months that'd be that'd be great yeah. but but look we're well, gonna well, well if this season today they would have it yeah absolutely so like we're gonna rag on the press like we always do uh, but i just want to remind people that 
every journalist is bad. <laughs> not just yeah. Not just in the world of politics. It's everybody. Like all journalists are are lying hacks and and don't know anything about anything. So like I was just reminded of Colin Cowherd, uh, maybe the most popular sports radio host. I'm not quite sure why, <laughs> but he's wildly yeah. popular. I remembered today on because everybody, all Steelers fans were sharing it all over Twitter that Colin Cowherd's prediction for the AFC North were hilarious in the preseason. He predicted that the Ravens would go 16 and 0, and he predicted that the Steelers would go 7 and 9. Okay, I I watched the Steelers yesterday, you know, tear up the Bengals to to go to 9 and 0, and I also saw at you know, just like you did with my own eyeballs. I saw Lamar Jackson acting a fool out there on the football field and losing <laughs> to a trash Patriots team. So it's like, man, I do love it when, when journos are wrong, even in the world of sports. Oh, yeah, me too. It was kind of like how last year, um, like when, when the Niners had their Super Bowl year last year, um, before before the season started, Adam Brink, uh, I think he's an NFL analyst, he, he, hit, he hit Niners going 3-13. And so naturally, last year the Niners started eight and zero. Like everyone was sharing like that photo of Adam Brink, and just like, ah, what an idiot. Um, and and to his credit, like he 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 took it in stride and you know admitted he was wrong. Um, but it is, it is funny when you have all these analysts who hate on your team, and the, the team just proves them wrong. It's kind of like also like with the Warriors and um, Nick Wright, uh, who, 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 who like we like, I call Nick wrong. Because he's wrong all the time about the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Because like you see with Nick Wright is that like he's a major LeBron stan. Yeah. Um, LeBron sexual, as as a friend of mine would call him, and he <laughs> just always finds what he just for LeBron, bag on Steph Curry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and so the Warriors went back to back, you know, in seventeen and eighteen. Uh, it was just great watching Nick Wright just get utterly humiliated. And so hopefully, you know, the Warriors. I, I know we're going to contract that football to basketball. But you know, hopefully, hopefully, just dress me up this week, um, and hopefully, the Warriors will make some moves to get back on top. You know, be the Lakers, but we'll see. Man, it's funny. I remember uh, a couple years ago, <laughs> there was a story going around that Stephen A. Smith, and I actually don't mind Stephen A. Smith. I think he's one of the better sports hosts. I, I think Stephen A. is great. Yeah, but um, <laughs> it was like I forget how many years in a row, but Stephen A. Smith wrongly predicted the nba finals it was like nine straight years <laughs> oh like, yeah how do you like i don't even know how like come on like if you could you could just blindly say like not watch a basketball game at all you can just not even know what a basketball is and just say whatever team lebron james plays for will win and you'd be right a few times like i, I don't even know how yeah. like he predicted that like the bad, banged up Cavs team with LeBron and then like an injured Kevin Love and like the janitor and like the guy selling <laughs> beer would beat the Warriors. <laughs> and then they like, you know, it just every year he predicted wrong. Like, I don't even know how it's, it's impressive to be that consistently wrong. It's like if you work for the mainstream media, like you just become more wrong. Just everything you say will be wrong. It just comes with like the office, the desk chair, the business card, being wrong all the time. Like it just like it just it happens. Like these people can't help it. Yeah, there's a clip of Stephen A. from like a year or two ago. He was previewing, I think, a Chargers Chiefs game. He starts talking about uh, Hunter Henry, who at that time was hurt, 
Um, and Derek Johnson, a linebacker who hadn't played for the Chiefs in years, and he's talking about that. He watched Teddy Bruschi just has this look on his face. I was just like, you know, what the hell is he talking about? You know, uh, but, and so, I mean, I love Stephen A. And actually, it comes to basketball. Like, Stephen A is, like, incredibly knowledgeable. Right. And it's got great sources, So which makes his finals predictions just all the more perplexing. <laughs> um, but, you know, one thing I will say about Stephen A, though, is that, like, first, his passion is really, it's, it's, it's fun to watch him talk about sports because of how passionate he is. Um, and that makes for great meme fodder and, and like and gift fodder and so forth. Uh, but also like about Stephen A and why I respect him is the fact that like he actually thinks for himself and thinks independently from the rest of the sp- of sports media group thing. Like like he is not conservative. He first tell you that he's not, but he, but he at least acknowledges that conservatives should be heard exists and like yeah. you know like it exists yeah it's like you'll see them here on a sean hannity show or a mark levin show and it's like yeah they'll have disagreements but it's like at least he's willing to go on those shows and like allow and allow you know and give them acknowledge their, you know their distance give them a chance to be heard you know but that's better for that's better than a lot of other people's sports media like max kellerman just, oh, he's terrible. He's uh, just awful. But it's so funny, uh, Aaron. Aaron, like you realize how low the bar is set. <laughs> like, yeah, you just you just you just praised Stephen A. Smith, and your reasoning was that he's like a normal adult that doesn't hate everyone. Yeah, like that. Like, right. That all you have to do is just clear that bar, and no one can do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hilarious. Exactly. It's like Adventure Hero has said for years that, that ESPN is basically like MSNBC with like little black spheres yeah. or whatever. Uh, I mean, like, that's basically what sports media is. Like, it's, it's a very like hard left media field. And it's like anytime, anytime sports and politics mixes, they just like almost all at once that they, they, they just like say, oh, they just pounce for lack of a better word. Yeah. And just like, oh my God, now's our chance to prove that we belong in the polemical, in the political sphere. It's like these sports writers are are, are, are want to be polemics, basically. And it's so, and they always act all indignant. Like when you tell them, like you know, like stick to sports, they're like, oh, how dare you? Like we have freedom of speech. We we want to speak out. And it's like, well, no one's saying you can't, but when you do, you look really stupid, and people tune you out because people turn. This, this really shouldn't be that hard to figure out. But like people tune to sports as entertainment, as a way, as a release to get away from the stresses of modern day life. And then like once you inject politics into it, then it's like, well, then it's a longer release. Well, yeah, I mean, it, they, um, it ceases. Unfortunately, this, this year more than more than in this year more than all other years, it seems like politics has become inescapable from sports. And it's like you know, like where where do we have to turn to as a release anymore? Anymore? Like, not, I mean, honestly, nowhere. Because politics has infected like all aspects of our lives now, and it sucks. Yeah. Well, one more, one more sports-related note. I just have to give myself a little credit before we move on. <laughs> like, I mean, I always on the podcast make my like preseason Super Bowl picks, and like, it's always bad. I mean, you, you just always look like an idiot. You're just inviting people to make fun of you later if you make like a pre- oh, yeah. preseason pick. Like last season, I picked the Steelers and the Bears, and then. Ben Roethlisberger's uh, arm falls off, and then the Bears went like three and thirteen or something. Like it was just, a, it was terrible. But this year, I don't look like a total moron thus far. I picked the Steelers and the Packers, so I'm like, wow, they're actually they're both the number one seeds right now. So it's like, 
right. I, I can't believe after nine games that I don't look like a complete idiot yet. So that's, <laughs> I'll, I'll well, take right there. I'll take that as a win. <laughs> I'm taking the yeah, W though. I mean, I'm taking I, the win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I, I, I thought it was going to be a Niners Chiefs rematch, you know, obviously that's not going to happen. So, uh, I mean, that, that's not an irresponsible pick by any means. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, when you lose just, your you know, best 12 players to season ending injury, I mean, what yeah. are you going to do? What are you going to yeah. do? So it goes. So let's keep, uh, destroying the press. Shall we? Um, I, yes, please. I laughed so hard at this headline this morning. I mean, I, I thought, I mean, it's, I, I swear Jake Tapper must be a Republican plant. He's got to, cause nobody is this, this unaware of, of himself. I mean, my goodness this morning, Jake Tapper of CNN noted hack tweeted an article <laughs> from Esquire with this caption. And this is the best caption I've ever seen. I, I want this hung in a museum quote in oral history of how CNN journalists survived election 2020. I'm going to read it one more time. One more time. Just take it all in. In oral history of how CNN journalists survived election 2020. Oh, my goodness. CNN journalists are braver than the men who stormed the beaches of Normandy. <laughs> they are braver than Hannibal marching elephants through the Alps in the dead of winter. Why? Because they got paid millions of dollars to lie about Republicans on TV. <laughs> that's what, Study. That's Brave. Why, my goodness. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, seriously. Talk, I mean, this is why nobody likes the press because, like, it's kind. Of, it kind of goes back to that that tweet from Katie Turr a few years ago, where she was like, she basically compared journalists to like firefighters, like warning <laughs> to the fire, and, it's just, and she got mocked endlessly for that, and rightly so. But like, that's how journalists view themselves. It's like. You know, by the way, like, as somebody who's a journalist, I don't view myself that way because I actually have self-awareness. <laughs> but, um, but the whole, yeah, the whole president, they, they, they view themselves as, like, you know, like, the, the guard keepers, uh, um, the dark, dark, like, as, as the guardians of democracy, you know, and it's like, and we, it's upon, upon us to save the republic. Uh, and it's just like, no, like, they just, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're thought, they're not, they're not guardians of anything. Are the only as well? They're guardians of the Democratic Party. Like that's what they yeah. are at this point. They are an arm of the Democratic Party. or are Democratic Party talking points. Uh, I mean, the, the thing is, is that if we actually had an objective press, like Republicans would win every election. Oh I yeah. Mean, it would be like landslide victories every election, um, because the media affects the affects how people think so much. In this country, and I know that the trust in the press is at an all-time low, and more people are turning to alternative news outlets, you know, like the Daily Wire and so forth. But the fact is, is that the mainstream media still dominates our discourse. Yeah, I mean, it's um, tough to so, quantify. Yeah, it's tough to quantify how much of an effect they have. But like, I think it's safe to say the press gives Democrats a ten-point head start in every race, right? Hundred percent. I mean, at least, maybe more than that. And that, like, you're absolutely right. We're not going to have a functioning republic until we destroy the press. I mean, they need to be destroyed. The, every single journalist needs to be fired. And, you know, real journalists who actually care about the truth need to, you know, take their place. I mean, it's like CNN is not fixable. They're not salvageable. Neither is the New York Times. Although uh, apparently CNN's up, up for a sale now, apparently. Really? Somebody yeah. should buy it and fire everyone. Coke, yeah, seriously. Charles Koch needs to buy CNN 
and fire every single person working for CNN and shut it down. It would be yeah, a huge, wa- huge waste or, of money, or, or, but it would Sheldon be worth Adelson, it. Sheldon Adelson, maybe? Yes. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Man, I, we, need, we need that Coke money to come in and fire Jake Tapper. That that's that should be the goal here. But my God, uh, well, that, 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 that's the bare minimum. It's like they should fire, like a, they should fire, like you said, everybody, like every Jim single Acosta, person. Yes. Uh, like Wolf, Wolf, Wolf was really entertaining because he's so clueless all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I would, no, yeah, I think Acosta and Tapper are the most. Uh, Stelter, Oliver Darcy. Actually, Oliver Darcy is the most insufferable one on, on Twitter, I think. But yeah. Um, just everybody who just needs to go. An oral um, history of how CNN journalists it, survived it, it, election first. It, it's just hysterical. It's like, masturbatory. So much, it is masturbatory. So much journalism. <laughs> They're just jacking themselves off. Like, it is, I can't, I just don't know how, I don't know. I mean, somebody explain to me how you get to the point in life as an adult where you have just no shame. And these people are, like, they're no shame. Like, they can say and do anything and feel no shame at all. You know what? Shame is good. You're supposed to be embarrassed when you say dumb things. You're supposed to feel shame. I feel shame. If I get something wrong on this podcast, I apologize the next episode. You know what I mean? Like, I'll start off the show by saying, man, I got that wrong. Sorry, guys. But these people have no shame. Like, I, I don't understand how you can get to the point in life where you're completely shameless. Yeah, I, I think you'll only get there if you have an oversized ego and you just get praised even like when you're wrong. You know, it, it, I think it's the only, that's the only way that happens. And it sounds like it's CNN, given how hard left Jeff Sucker is, he probably just kind of infects everybody with that mindset. Um, I can't remember where I read this, but I know that, like, you know, that when, like, Dick Tappers had somebody from the Trump administration on, like, Jeff Sucker would be in his ear telling him, like, okay, get him, get him, get him, yeah. get him. Um, and so, so clearly Jeff Sucker really, like, dominates the, the editorial content at CNN. And I guess given how anti-Trump and hard left he is, he just encourages these guys to go after Trump all the time. And it doesn't matter if, they, it doesn't matter if they're wrong. It's just as long as they go after Trump, he's, he's good with it. I mean, it's um, got to be coming from the top down, right? Because you mentioned this before it we started, be. you mentioned this before we started recording. You know, somebody like Essie Cup, who was a conservative. I mean, she was, yeah. you know, at least center right. You know, I would say, and yeah. for her entire career, and then she goes to CNN and she's like a communist. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. How do you like? You don't. There's the. You can't just change your entire worldview. You know what I mean? Like it has to be coming from the top down over there on CNN. They have to be threatening these people, saying, "Hey." You know, toe the Democratic Party line, promote communism, or you're fired. I mean, is it that simple? I mean, my right. goodness. Uh, uh, yeah, same goes for Amanda Carpenter, who works for Ted Cruz. Yeah. Um, and that's what's, I mean, now granted, like, uh, you know, there was that National Enquirer, the hit piece that accused her of having an affair with Cruz, and that likely came from the Trump team. I, I get why she would be upset about that. But she's still done a whole 180 uh, on her philosophical Everything. beliefs. Yeah. And viewpoints, and it's like you know, I, I, that's that's just not justifiable. It's just not, you know, like I, I, like even even if you have a personal vendetta against Trump, it's like you know you can't. It, it still doesn't justify your whole one eighty on your entire beliefs. Absolutely, and um, look, look which if was, the, that was supposed to happen to Amanda. And if the press weren't evil degenerates who hated half the country, I mean, they'd cover. I don't know. Let's say the fact that it's now unsafe to be a Republican in public in the United States of America. 
literally. I, yeah. I don't think I'm going too far in saying that. There was a pro-Trump rally in D.C. on Saturday, and Black Lives Matter and Antifa showed up and started beating the crap out of Republicans. Okay, and, and the press yeah. did one of two things. The press either ignored it completely or just tried to blame Republicans. I'm not sure what kind of galaxy brain you have to have to uh, to get from point A to point B there, but that's their strategy. Again, once again, we've seen it a million times, 99.99999% of political violence is coming from the left, is coming from Black Lives Matter and Antifa. These people are terrorists, and the press is encouraging the violence. I mean, that, that that's all you can say about the press's behavior. They are encouraging street violence. They're encouraging the mob. If you encourage violence, you're an enemy of the American people. Like, you're an enemy of decency itself. That that's that's what the press has has become at this point. It, it's sort of it's still a hilarious thing about like what when the when the riots happening in June and they they call it mostly peaceful protest and there, there's that one like, that one screenshot of an, I think it was an MSNBC, an MSNBC reporter who's saying it's most peaceful protest and behind them like there's a building, a on, building fire. on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that right there just encapsulates the media mindset. And just like how much they suck, uh, because yeah, it, it's like they, they will excuse violence from the left, and I'm like, oh, but what about the Proud Boys, or what about white supremacists? And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, white supremacists suck. You know, Proud Boys are also like not great in their own right, but they're not the ones driving the violence in this no. country right now. Like it's it's Antifa, it's BLM, it's the it's the hard left who are like openly attacking Trump supporters. We're just like minding their own business and, and actually peacefully protesting. Look, and, and let, let me. Can I just mention so, the? Can I mention the Proud Boys and these right wing groups real quick? Obviously, if yeah. if you know if they're being attacked and defending themselves with violence, that's you know self defense is fine. And uh, you know, obviously, defend sure. yourself. But obviously, if if any of them are initiating violence, I obviously condemn that. That's evil. But like, look, I. <laughs> Am I really supposed to be that mad at the Proud Boys? Like, the Proud Boys are ridiculous. They seem kind of... I mean, I'll just I'll throw this out there. Seems a little gay to me. Just hanging out with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> just straight-up sausage fest. Doesn't seem like my idea of a good time. But, like... I, look, am I supposed to be mad at, at these people that are literally being attacked by terrorist organizations and fighting back? Like, really? Like, I, yeah. I'm sure they get the better of uh, a lot of these exchanges because grown men with chests are a lot better at throwing punches than a bunch of <laughs> weak-kneed, 90-pound communists. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure in a street fight, uh, I, I know who I'm putting my money on. But, like, am I really supposed to be that upset by the Proud Boys? Because I'm not. I, I can't muster up uh, any outrage over folks like that. My yeah, apologies. I have a hard time like getting outraged over the Proud Boys when I'm seeing Trump supporters openly attacked in the street right. doing nothing other than just being a Trump supporter. Yeah, I, I just, I'm sorry. I... I, I I'm incapable of uh, conjuring up any outrage, you know, for people acting in self-defense. Yeah. So let, let's. I want to talk some economic news coming up here in the next few months. I mean, we, there's obviously great vaccine news. There's a second vaccine on the way, should be available in the coming months. Uh, that's nearly 95% effective, which is bananas, by the way. I mean, you that compare that with the flu shot, which is what 30% effective, something like that. Like 45%, yeah. Yeah, and uh, thank you. I don't want to misquote the numbers here, but. Uh, the stock market's on jet fuel right now. I mean, we could break the Dow could break thirty thousand this week potentially. Um, the economy's coming back, and right on cue, the Democrats are determined <laughs> to stop it. To stop it, we can't let that happen. Uh, I mean, Biden is promising to lock down the country. Um, you know, his his 
transition team is floating the idea of locking down the country for six weeks uh, by executive order, which, I mean, they might try. I, obviously, I think they would go to the Supreme Court and be shot down, but they're going to try it. They'll at least be able to shut down the economy you know, briefly. Uh, it takes time for something to go to the Supreme Court. Um, you see Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci. Um, I, I have a hard time even calling him Dr. Fauci. This guy's a complete moron. I mean, every anytime he opens his yeah. mouth, my goodness. But, I mean, he says that even after everybody has taken the vaccine, we'll still need to lock down and wear masks, like, indefinitely. Which, why? <laughs> why? Like, it's, why? It's, like, why? Why? Yeah. why are these people saying these things? Like, show me one... There's no evidence that lockdowns even do anything. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's. That's oh, right. Yeah. I mean, masks. These stupid cloth masks we're wearing. They're ten percent effective. It's like I, there's no scientific yeah. reason for any of this. There, there, there really isn't. I, I, I think kind of like the very little secret is that like nobody has a plan. Nobody has a, has a good plan for for fighting COVID. Like there just there just really isn't any way to stop this virus. You know, uh, I mean, it's the fact is that everywhere. It's not just. This country, everywhere around the world, is being hit hard by this virus right now. Like a lot of European countries have been locked down, uh, and where people wear masks, and they're still getting hit hard because I think I read a report, I think like a month or two ago, where the virus, basically the virus, adapted to uh, our mitigation measures with masks and social distancing and all that. In the day, it's like even with all these things, like we can't stop the virus because it's just it's so highly transmissible that you just you, you can't stop it you know, it's like the only way really to stop it is either through herd immunity um, or with a vaccine and therapeutics um so like honestly that's what i think the only thing we should be focusing on is is uh allocating resources to make sure our most vulnerable are protected and then the rest of us just kind of go about should just go about our lives right because like there's nothing else really that can be done about it um, and yeah, the whole vaccine, the whole vaccine thing, you know, I had been, I have been a little bit skeptical that a vaccine would work because, you know, there's ever been a, there's ever been a real cure for a coronavirus because, you know, like a, a cold type of coronavirus, for right. instance, and the flu shots, you know, are typically like 45% effective. Um, but if these vaccines are 90, 95% effective, then that's obviously a very good thing. And I think is a real testament to the Trump administration's Operation Warp State, which has gotten like no press coverage at all. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the fact that a vaccine, only a vaccine takes years and years to be developed and approved and go through all those regulatory hurdles. And a vaccine is going to be ready by, well, really, a vaccine will be ready at the end of December. Right. For like frontline workers and seniors. I mean, that's, I mean, so like, so a vaccine is going to be ready in less than a year's time since the pandemic started. Like, that's incredible. That is incredible. And it, um, it, for people but, that don't understand why President Trump deserves credit, I mean, part of Operation Warp Speed was the Trump administration slashing regulations, you know, and allowing yeah. these pharmaceutical companies to, you know, they, they cut through a lot of red tape that made it possible for them to develop vaccines this quickly. That's never happened before. There's always been all these legal hoops to jump through. Trump got rid of that, yeah. and he obviously deserves a lot of credit. It's not you think a Democrat would have done that? No, absolutely not. No. You know, so absolutely Trump— Absolutely not. And the, the tragic irony of all this is that Biden will get the credit for the pandemic ending when really Trump's the one who deserves the credit. And so, I mean, at risk of sounding too overdramatic here— uh, yeah, I, I I think if, if 2020 were like its own like novel, uh, or like or literary 
event, then then Trump Trump would probably be a tragic hero. Yeah. Um. To, to, I mean, if these election results hold, which you know they probably will, but you never know because it's twenty twenty. Right. I. My, I mean, my my stocks are doing great right now. <laughs> I mean, like. Well, congrats. The the mark the market is just on jet fuel. It's ridiculous. Um, what are we gonna do, man? Come Jan- like, I don't. Are we all just gonna sell high in January and then buy the Trump depression or the Biden depression in February? Because like, I guess so. I I don't, I don't know why holding on to stocks during the beginning of a Biden administration makes any sense. I mean, if he, if he even attempts, here's the thing. I mean, the the markets hate uncertainty, right? Like, even if Biden talks about locking the economy down, the stock market tanks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the president of the United States is way more powerful than he should be so and you you see it in in the you know under trump too the last four years he'll tweet something crazy and it'll take the stock market you know what i mean yeah and but i mean if biden even attempts to issue an executive order locking things down i mean the bottom the floor falls the bottom falls out of the stock market so i'm like i don't know man i'm, I'm thinking about just selling everything in january before the inauguration i mean does that yeah, I, 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 I mean, I'm no I, expert. I'm, I'm no, I'm, I'm no expert. No, I, I, I don't know anything. I, so I'm, I'm certainly not either. Um, but that sounds like the right thing to do. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's really going to be sort of like, it, it's really going to be a massive case of like sticker shock. Um, when you know, provided that election results hold and Biden gets sworn in in January, but it's the just in terms of like the economy. And all the various policies that Trump did, like I think people are gonna realize right away, like that it's just how much mistake it was to like to vote Trump out of office because the Biden's policies are, are gonna be detrimental to the country in so many ways, not just the economy but foreign policy too. Um, I mean, like Trump at peace the Middle East, which was was wasn't thought to be possible, and yet Trump is probably has gotten the closest that there ever has been. To peace in the Middle East, all these agreements, and th- that's all going to fall by the wayside. And Biden gets sworn into office because he's going to rejoin the Iran deal, uh, rejoin the Paris Accords, etc., etc. I mean, I'm getting a little off track here, but it's just, uh, and but just, but you know, just thinking about like Biden possibly doing an executive order lockdown, and now Chuck Schumer saying that Biden's going to cancel student loan debt by executive order it's just uh it's it's i'm already it's not even january yet i'm already dreading the biden presidency this is gonna be a long four years yeah i agree um one last thing before i let you go uh obviously since it is a day that ends in y (laughs) there's another left there's another leftist journalist uh trying to weaponize the holocaust to attack republicans and this time it is uh christian amanpour and uh this one was a real doozy yeah, uh, the, the Christian I'm in for. Basically, what she said on Friday was that uh, she talked about the 82nd anniversary of Kristallnacht, which is which is Jennifer and the Broken Glass. For those who don't know, that was what happened was some, if memory serves, like some Jewish guy um, assassinated a, a Nazi diplomat in, uh, I think, I want to say France, some European country, because, because the Nazis at that point they hadn't gone full concentration camps yet, but, but they were, like, openly persecuting Jews right. uh, in Germany. And so once, when, when that assassination happened, Hitler used it as an excuse to, like, incite people to basically vandalize Jewish businesses. And so, like, a, a lot of 
a, a lot of Germans just started attacking Jewish businesses that night and, you know, throwing rocks and burning burning buildings and so forth. Um, and so that's why it's called Night of the Broken Glass. And I think it was at that point where it really turned, that's, that's the point, that was the point where the Holocaust really started. Um, and so Christian Amapur talks about Kristallnacht, how it's the 80th anniversary of Kristallnacht. But instead of talking about Jews, he starts talking about Trump and the assault on truth and decency and norms and how Biden's going to restore that. And it's just, it's, it, it, she got hammered by all, by all sides, really. Um, although more so from the right than from the left. But um, because, like, firstly, she doesn't mention Jews at all. We're talking about the 80th anniversary of Kristallnacht, when the Holocaust really started. Uh, but also because, you know, comparing Trump to the Holocaust, to Nazis, is just, it, I've always hated that comparison. And generally speaking, I hate Nazi comparisons in general, just because, like, that was such a horrific event in history. It, it really can't be trivialized, especially right. in these times, when the Semitism is rising. Um, and obviously Trump is not Hitler. And comparing Trump supporters to compare 70 million plus people to, to Nazis is, is also really offensive and gross and trivialize the Holocaust. And it's just, you know, and Christian Amanpour is just awful. Even before this, she's been awful because she's always been like very pro uh, Ayatollah, for lack of a better word. Yeah. You know, she was, it's just, she was almost the bird. She was like celebrating when Obama shook hands with Royal Castro back in 2015. And of course, Royal Castro, the brother Fidel Castro, the Castro brothers have, or have blood on their hands for the communist police state that they've been running in Cuba for years. She's just awful. I, and I, she really should be fired for, for, for those, for those comments, but she's not going to be. No. And you I know, mean, t- I, I today, say, later today yeah. on CNN, I promise you that somebody else will compare Trump to Hitler or whatever, you know, it's, it's a weird, yeah. it's it's really uncreative because Donald Trump is like the most pro-Jewish, pro-Israel president ever. So yeah. like, man, great stuff, guys. But like, here's the thing: I maybe some of you guys listening, like, it depends on where you live in the country. Maybe you didn't grow up with any Jewish friends or neighbors. Or, or but what, what people don't understand, what some people don't understand, is that like, if you're an Ashkenazi Jew, you know somebody that survived the Holocaust or you know, were killed in the Holocaust. You have a family member that went through that. Like, it's like what percentage of um, uh, American Jews have a family member, know somebody that survived or was killed in the Holocaust? It's a huge percentage. It's not like, it, it doesn't just hit home to a small percentage of American Jews. It's like everybody, you know what I mean? So it's like they, these people, these leftists, they don't understand what they're doing when they're invoking the Holocaust. Yeah, and, and I... The Israeli Foreign Ministry actually wrote a letter to CNN asking them to apologize for that comment. Like, like that's how bad it was. Like yeah. when Israel is now getting involved and commenting right. on it, it's like, yeah, it's like maybe you messed up a little bit. But I doubt CNN apologizes because no. it's it's like why it you know because Christian because they just they have no self awareness. Like it, it goes back to Jake Tapper's tweet we talked about earlier. They just CNN has no self awareness because as long as as long as they perpetuate. The idea that orange man bad, they're just going to congratulate themselves. You know, who, who, that's unfortunately how it is in today's media yeah, landscape. I just, I just can't imagine a Republican. I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> if somebody on Fox News said something like that, my gosh. I mean, they, they'd be. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> they'd I mean, be on the street. Like, that person. Oh, my God. Security would have hauled them out from behind their desk. 
you know what I mean? Live yeah. on air, it escorted him out of the building. I mean, like you just can't say things like this. My goodness, I'm not, I'm not some speech police. I think people can say whatever they want, but it's like, my yeah. gosh, and it, the fact that it keeps happening over and over and will happen again, probably today. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, like some, probably, somebody on yeah. CNN will call Trump Hitler. To, maybe as we speak. I mean, right now as we're recording this podcast, CNN is calling Trump Hitler and invoking the Holocaust. So I mean, it's like this well, is a common me. occurrence on the left. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And it just goes to show how, unfortunately, the media doesn't care about Jews unless they can use them, they can use Jews to bash Trump. It's like how they always bring up Charlottesville. It's like, oh, Trump called Nazis very fine people. Well, he didn't, by the way. But, like, it, it's only when stuff like that happens, when it's, like, white supremacist-related, and there have been some awful shootings conducted by white, white supremacists, as, as, as seen by, you know, the, the Tree of Life shooting, in October, in October 2018, or the Habab Poway shooting in April of last year, you know, both horrible, awful, awful things and awful, awful acts of evil. And white supremacists are, I mean, it is a problem. It doesn't need to be dealt with. But the media only cared about those instances because they, they, they saw it as a way to attack Trump. Because like, oh, Trump, Trump emboldens white supremacists, which he doesn't. Um, but, but, but if you take, for instance, What's, what's going on in New York for the past like couple of years, where where you where um where you have people of color go attacking Jews, just like in the middle like out in the streets openly, um that that gets no media coverage because it's not white supremacy like that that that, yeah. that has more to do with like Louis Farrakhan or right. black Hebrew Israelites, um or or like on campuses you have you know you have you have these pro BDS factions like Student Stresses in Palestine. Who are openly inciting uh, harassment and in some cases violence against Jewish right. students on college campuses, and it gets no coverage. Like last year, Trump Trump um, signed an executive order that basically applies the Civil Rights Act to anti-Semitism on college campuses, and now you have all of these um, complaints being filed to Department of Education about anti-Semitism on college campuses perpetuated by groups like SJP. And so you, you've, had, you've had like these historic settlements. So the NYU had a had a historic settlement um, in I think no it, it's a, in I think October, last month actually. Um, that's it's an important precedent for fighting anti-Semitism on college campuses. Now today it turns out uh, University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign has another settlement over complaints. Like the Trump administration is actively combating. And that's because on college campuses. That's huge. Yeah. But no one's talking about it. Like, it, it, it gets sort of, even like, um, even Jews on the left, uh, or I say Jewish media outlets um, on the left are, are giving it kind of like a passing, a, a passing, you know, like, I mean, like, they cover it, but it's sort of like, it doesn't get the same kind of coverage that, you know, Trump is a white supremacist does, you know? And it, it's, it's, again, like, it, it's another example of how of Trump being a tragic hero because here he is like really fighting for the Jewish people and yet you know a lot of Jews vote Democrat and it's yeah well, it's, it's 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 sad that, that's it, my it's last sad. question that's my last question for you Aaron like I just don't like where is the line what because you know even for secular Jews in America I where is the line where these people will stop voting Democrat because the vast majority of American Jews vote Democrat. And you see some people, you see, you know, friend of the show, Dove Kind, who, you know, was a long time. You know, de 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 oh, he's great. 
and a uh, longtime Democratic elected official and left the party and endorsed Trump and, and, you know, has been, you know, campaigning for Republicans and stuff. And you see a little bit of that, but it's like, I, what? I, I don't know. Like the, the Democratic Party has crossed the line so many times. Where is the line for some of these folks? When are they going to stop voting Democrat? Like if if they haven't stopped voting Democrat now, I just don't think they ever will. Like it's amazing. So I just I don't understand I, voting I, I, for I a party it. that hates you. You know what I mean? Like I, right. It's, I, it's, I, it's so frustrating. It, it really is frustrating. And as I told you before the show, I think the line is Bernie Sanders because I, I, I know a lot of Jewish Democrats, a lot of progressive Jews were really scared of the prospect of a Bernie Sanders nomination. Um, the irony, of course, being that Bernie Sanders is Jewish, but the thing is that Bernie Sanders, he's very anti-Israel, and he surrounds himself with Jew haters like Linda Sarsour, Ilhan Omar, and so forth. Um, and, and Bernie Sanders didn't win, and you know, but I think if he had won, then I think a lot of progressive Jews might not have even voted. Um and so that's where I think the line is. It's like when somebody is openly associating with Jew haters, um, then that's where the line is. But I think a lot of Jewish Democrats think that Bernie Sanders, Ilhan Omar, AOC, it's like they're not representative of the party, um, but they kind of are. They are. They I, are. Like, I mean, the fact that Biden formed like a unity, uh, uh, well, that Biden formed a unity task force with Bernie. And and they had like this whole laundry list of progressive agenda items. And Bernie called called like called Biden's platform the most progressive ever, um, which should ring alarm bells to everybody that Bernie Sanders is giving that Biden that such a ringing endorsement like that. Um, so like, there's no way Biden's going to be um, fighting back against the AOC wing of the party. It, it's it's just like he's put out like sentient enough to even no. like know what they're saying. Um, and so, and, and and a lot of Jews like a lot of leftist Jews like Kamala Harris because her husband's Jewish and she has she is thought to be pro-Israel, but she voted against anti-BDS legislation in the Senate, and she has a more leftist voting record than even Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, it's it, it, as you know, it is frustrating to see, uh, you know, seventy percent. I, I guess it was so. There's some exit polls that showed that Trump got like 30 percent um, uh, Jewish support, which would be a record for uh, for a Republican in, in, in a presidential election. But even if that's true, uh, there are some polls suggesting otherwise. But even if you take that number at face value, then like still it's like two thirds of American Jews voted for Biden. And it's just again, like a lot of fascinating. It's fascinating. I just it don't. I just don't get it. I, I can't wrap my right. head around. And, uh, and I think what it is is that is that, as you said, a plurality of Jews is kind of secular, um, and just in general, like the more religious you are, the more likely you are to vote Republican and vice versa, right? Vote Democrat. Um, and a lot of Jews just conflate progressivism with Judaism, and it drives me crazy because, like, I I, I really don't. I, I I you know I'm not I'm not a religious guy. Really, but um, the idea that Judaism and progressivism are the same thing—I just, I, 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 I don't understand it, and it drives me crazy that that so many people can play the two. Yeah, you. I you, don't. I honestly, I, I, I don't think they're compatible. Yeah, I mean, you see this in Christianity a lot too. There's a lot of, uh, you know, progressive Christian pastors who are basically preaching false gospel. You know, they're basically preaching socialism to people, and then. You know, 
it's bad. Yeah. It's evil. I mean, that, that you know, there's no other. You're 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 twisting the word of God. <laughs> so the Bible yeah. is the Bible is uh, uh, quite clear of the consequences of that. Um, so I don't want to be standing next to that guy. You know, if, if you're if you're yeah. uh, you know if you're a, a rabbi or a pastor who is 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 teaching this progressive Christianity or Judaism that is not scriptural. Um, all right, at your own peril. Um, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I'm not going to be standing shoulder to shoulder with you. That's that's for sure. Um, all right. Yeah. Same. Uh, Aaron, before I let you go, brother, thanks again for doing this. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. I work and everybody follow you online and read your stuff and all that good stuff. Yeah. So follow me on Twitter at Daniel's Banter, uh, Bandler's Banter, and uh, I, you can see my work at JewishNational.com. Um, I write there. I I I, I have always had like one or two stories a day. Uh, and there's going to be some big stuff coming for me in the future. So keep tabs keep tabs, and follow my work. Everybody follow Aaron. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.